The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Brutal Nation, boys and girls. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. And right across from me is the one of the only, the hairiest beast from the not-so-far east. Tammy, the underdog Underwood. All right, let's get right into call number three from Keith Jesperson from April 15th of 2023. All right, welcome back, Keith. Welcome back. All right, well... To continue with this uh, Wyoming case, uh, I get there to the courtroom, and there's nobody there but uh, the judge, the bailiff, uh, the court reporter, uh, third-string prosecutor, not even the first-string. The third-string prosecutor, I have my, my lawyer and my investigator, and uh, it, was, it was pretty much an empty. There's no press there at all, none whatsoever. Now, why is that? Well, that's because I told all the jailhouse rats that in Wyoming where I was in that pod there. I told them, I said, you just wait. They're going to get me in the court. I'm going to tell them to stick this deal up their ass, right? Right, right. Yep. We're, okay, we're paying so, attention. Okay, so I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell the court, I'm going to stick it, you know, I'm going to tell them to stick this deal up their ass with the press watching over. Well, they, that's why there's nobody in court because they don't call the press. They figure that this prosecutor thinks that I'm going to tell them to take this deal and shove up their ass, and that's what, and I don't do that. Right, right, I'm right. there to actually take care of the case. I just don't want the press there. I just figured that I wanted to push this along and not have the press. So anyway, we show up. I'm there talking to the judge. And in order for me to settle this case, I had to commit myself to the murder of, the, of Angel Sabrina. Right, right, I had to right. Commit that I, I had to say to them that I actually done this, and that way they could avoid the death penalty kind of thing. Kind of. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I tell the judge the story, and I said, "Well, I was driving through Wyoming. I got through <laughs> Wyoming. I got into Nebraska, got up to mile marker fifty-eight, fifty-nine of the rest area, and that's where the murder happened." And the judge stops me there. So, wait a minute. Are you trying to say that this murder never happened in uh, in, in Wyoming? I said, "Well, yeah." And I, I bring up Ken Monsterbrotten's name. I said, the only reason I'm here is because Ken Monsterbrotten made, ran with the story to get a deal to say that the murder happened in Wyoming so that he could get a time cut on his deal. And that's why we're here. The real murder happened in Nebraska. It never happened here. And then the judge asked me, well, why are you, set, why are you taking the deal? And I said, well, I believe that this being a pioneer state, that Wyoming's jury won't, it won't matter to them which state it happened in, just the fact that a murder did happen. So mm-hmm. they will, they'll find me guilty anyway, regardless of what state it happened in. And they'll let the appeal system take over from there. So, so the judge said, well, in other words, you're, you're taking the case you're taking the deal to avoid the death penalty. I said, yeah, that sounds about right. So he says, that sounds good to me, too, and he gives me 25 to life to run back-to-back with Washington and Oregon. And and it tells the prosecutors, get me the hell out of his state and send me back to Oregon, which they do. They put me on a, uh, within a few days, they put me in a car, and they drive me down to Colorado Springs where I spent a few days, and they 
run down to Pueblo, Colorado, and they put me on the 737 from Conair, back to Oklahoma City, then over to Seattle, and they bus me to Sheridan, and then overnight here to uh, OSP. And uh, we talked about this. I said, uh, this added a cost. There was a cost to this of Conair hauling me from Oregon to Wyoming and back. And it cost the taxpayers of Wyoming $136,000. Wow. For transport. To basically accomplish nothing. Yeah. To accomplish nothing. I had argued. Now, I was there in the, in the judges' chambers back in March of 98. I was in there talking about the deal. And I said, why don't you give me manslaughter? Hell, give me, you can give me a thousand years. I'll never do the time. Right. I'll never do, I'm still going to do Oregon time. I'll be 108 years old when I die in Oregon. I mean, this is how far I have to live until, I'll die a long time before that. But I have 108 years, you know, before I'm eligible to go anywhere out of Oregon. Right. Wow, and of course they, they, they did all. Want, all they wanted to do is argue over the word aggravated, and I said, "Well, of course I was aggravated when I killed her." Right. I don't think anybody's That's skipping not. down the road when they're killing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there might, might, well, might be one or might be one or two happy people who do it, but the, the case is settled. We're done, right? Now, what you don't know is that. In early 1996, Phelan settled the Riverside County to a life sentence in writing. You understand that, right? Yeah. Correct. So I was, I was. Uh, they made a deal in 1996, and then of course they, we made the same deal with Merced County uh, on, on on a murder that might be that I might have committed there. And then we were to also talking to Florida when they sent their detective, a man named Glenn Barbary, to see me. Um, the Florida case keeps bouncing up and down every few years. They keep wanting to reopen it. Up. But they closed the case in 96. I'm doing too much time. But now, my lawyer was also talking to Santa Clara County in California, only to be told that it was a drug overdose, the one they found along Highway 152. It wasn't a murder. The coroner at the time said it was a drug overdose. As a matter of fact, in the Bennett case, when I claimed I killed Bennett, and and they were saying I was a liar. This is one of the cases that said that I was a liar. Uh, the same with Merced County said I was a liar. That there was drug overdoses. They weren't were murders. And then they turned around later, and because I proved the Bennett case, they all quit talking about whether I was lying or not. So they just went silent. So all that was now Glenn Barbary, when he comes to see me, he thought he knows I did the he did the the, the murder there in Florida. But what he's after is a case that was just recently settled with that Sam Little. Right. Sam Little, the, that serial killer, comes forward and, he, and he, he claims this murder in Florida that happened. Well, that case was one that Glenn Barbary back in 1996 was trying to get me to say I did. Right. And I told him I wasn't going to do that because that'd be just like the Bennett case where saying I did a murder that I didn't do. And I wouldn't do it. Now, later... Uh, 20-something years later, when Florida comes after me and they want me to come up with an identity of this woman, and I told you about that where they uh, uh, they asked me what she looked like, and I said, well, I think she looked like Nicole Kidman, right? 
Right, right I remember and that. So That's from the last so conversation. The, so the here. cops send me pictures of Nicole Kidman. And what do I do? I just draw a picture of Nicole Kidman and send it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a picture. That's a picture they're running on TV. That's what the victim looks like, right? So anyway, just, that's just crazy. It's just, how the hell do I know what she looks like? I only saw her for about an hour. Right. Back in, back in 1994. Yeah, 94. And now they're asking, you know, 20-something, almost 30 years later, they're asking me what the hell. I, I don't know. Right. Um, I didn't. I, I, I. All those years, I tried to forget, and here, all of a sudden, now they want me to remember. So anyway, uh, they, they show me this other case, and they have all these pictures. He lays it out here, just say you did it, and I said I'm not going to do it. But 20 years later, I tell the detective that comes and see me. I said, Well, Glenn said that he he wanted this other case solved. And of course, he he, had, he said he talked to Glenn. He said, uh, "No, he didn't. He didn't bring anything up there." And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. You you put together a collage of all the pictures from that case and other cases. I'll pinpoint which cases, which pictures belong to that case." Right. And then you tell him that's what I'll do. And then, of course, when they told him that, Glenn said, "Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, yeah, that's right. I did try to get him to confess to that murder." Yeah. This is this is. They're trying to solve every goddamn case in the country using me. Right, right. including the Green River killings. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to go along with it. So anyway, that 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 was what went on back in 1996. <laughs> so this is how they they're playing this out now. In 1998, while I was in Wyoming, true crime writer Jack Olson contacted me. And in years to follow, Jack comes to visit me here in Oresby to go over details. Now, but just before the book is sent to the pub to be publishers, he tells me he needed to change things to juice it up a bit. Right. And I, and I argue with him. What do you mean juice it up a bit? You know, I said that. Tell the truth. This is what happened. He said, but he didn't. He, he went on. He, uh, the poem, Goddammit, Mr. Murphy, he didn't use all of it. I mean, he, he didn't use a lot of stuff. And then he just made things look like... He, he called the book, I, the Creation of a Serial Killer. Made it sound like I, I, I was the one telling the whole story, and that's what he wanted to do. But anyway, Jack Olson dies in July of 2002. Now, the book came out in August of 2002, a, a month later. Now, they consider that book the Bible on Jesperson, right? That when they look at it, they read that this Jack Olson knew what's going on, this is what it is, this is what it is. Now, my daughter, Melissa, she was involved in where she said, when she wrote the book Shattered Silence, a, a lot of what she took was from Jack's book. And actually, she even claims in her book that she saw Jack's book in 2001 where, when it hadn't even come out yet. Anyway, we'll get to that. And so in, in, we're, we're going to move forward. Now, in 2002, OSP puts me on, puts on an art display and invites the press, which is a big mistake. They, they come and take photos of all my art that I had in my little cubicle up there. And because I had not, because of my art is really good, and they put it on the front page of the, of, of the Salem newspaper, they made a big deal about it. And even though I did, because I didn't have permission to sell the artwork, 
I am thrown in the hole, and a whole big bunch of stuff that happened after that, uh, as you're aware. I can't put a smiley face on anything. I can't put my crime name on anything. It's, uh, they, they, they're, they're punishing me, right? Right. I'm or, you know, like I said, I'm, never, I'm ordered never to use a smiley face or sign it with my crime name on artwork uh, or even in letters. That's why when people uh, write me and they, they put the little smiley face and stuff like that, uh, it follows me everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, they, they really watch over this. Okay, and in 2005, my daughter, Melissa Moore, comes to visit me with her husband, Sam, and their two children. Now, that's the last time I've seen my oldest daughter, Melissa. She's, she has never returned, even though she lives about uh, all 50, 60 miles away from here as, as a crow flies. And it is on my visiting list, but she doesn't come in and visit. Wow. Now, now, shortly after she visits, she goes on Dr. Phil, and she is moving forward with shows and her book called Shattered Silence and it's written by a Bridget Cook it's, a, it's just a bunch of made up stories that get details from you know that get, got a lot of details from Jack Olson's book but just made up stories just stories and uh, because I'm not I don't it's, it's like Jack Olson's book I didn't read Jack Olson's book until 2005 we don't we can't get I can't get material written about me in here wow but other people can't other people can i mean this is this is how things are in osp or, or in oregon we cannot get material written about us sent in here to us uh they're not supposed to show shows they're not supposed to show anything about us in here wow but they do anyway they do anyway they they it's almost like they they don't care about me kind of thing they they'll do that anyway so in, in, what's that? I said, wow. <laughs> wow, okay. So uh, I thought you might have been aware of it since you were incarcerated. but No, I don't think they had that when I was in there because they had a bunch of stuff on me when I was in oh, there. Wait a minute, I got to do something for Tammy. Negative Shut female up, inmate. <laughs> see, I've even got the finger. Yeah? Yeah, I see the it. Missing finger right there? Yeah, yeah. I see it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well... They, I can't get it anyway. So my daughter does all the storytelling and stuff like that, and I can't combat. I can't combat against it because I don't know. I, I'm not hearing it. And then when I do get out, I, when I finally do get to read it, it's been years later. Right. So it's, 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 so Jack Olson is dead, so he's not promoting it, and everything's kind of going on that way. But anyway, in 2006. Uh, the case called a drug overdose is changed to a murder because the, the, the coroner in Santa Clara County, they they get a new coroner and they ask them to, to revisit the case. And they changed the case from a, from a drug overdose to a murder. Then in July of 2007, I'm taken to San Jose and I get life without. And that's that, that's that Patricia Skipple case that was uh, identified there in April of of 2022. Right. right out towards Gilroy, right? Yeah. yeah, that's over there by Gilroy on the way to, on right. the way to Gilroy over from Sananella, go over top of the hill about a mile down out the hill, goes on the right. Anyway, so in, in 2009, my daughter Melissa is on the Oprah talk show along with my ex-wife Rose and then Don Slagle, the one that claims all she got away, and all telling stories with Dr. Phil and Oprah. This show sparks interest in settling the Riverside case in California. 
right? Now, yeah. California doesn't, you know, the Riverside, because I'm doing so much time, they don't want me, they don't want to push the narrative of getting me there. So uh, Riverside needs the help of Oregon to help me to get there. Right. So they contact or the Orspe, and they get a hold of uh, two women. One is named Lennox, and one is named Pinkley Warrens. Now they get and they type up a fast and speedy. They do all the typing. They get it all done, all set up, and they put. I'm sent a kite, and they said I'm supposed on my call out. I'm supposed to go up and see them. They said they set me down. They throw this thing in front of me and said, "You need to sign this." They're pointing at this thing, and, and I said, well, "I'm going to read it first. And so I read it, and it's a fast and speedy. It's a well-typed-out fast and speedy, forcing Riverside County to settle the case. Wow. And Riverside wasn't going to do it. Riverside wanted, needed me to file a fast and speedy in order for us to settle this case that was on Oprah, right? Right. Because of Oprah. So I look at them, and I'm going like, well, you guys have no idea what you're screwing around with. But because you're did such a great job on this fast and speedy, I'll sign it. I sign it and I hand it back to him. Now these two ladies are high fiving each other in in the in the room, and they're yelling, "We're not rid of you. You're going down there. We're never coming back." And and I was like, "Whatever. I'll be back in a couple of months. I'll you know, and I will." And uh, so I go back to my cell, and within a few, it didn't take long. Uh, I was uh, I was taken out in, in, in a SUV. Uh, as I was leaving the prison, they had the TV cameras on me, and I said, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, "I'll be back." <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, and they were like, "Yeah, you're not coming back." And the cops were all talking about that. I'm not coming back. They figured I was going to go down there, and, and that was going to be the end of this kind of shit. You know, I'm going to get the death sentence and the whole works. Well, what I didn't realize at the time was that Riverside had tried to contact my attorney, Tom Phelan, about whether or not he was still representing me. Right. And Tom never wrote him back, never even responded because he had a deal. Right. There's no reason to contact him back. He said, there's no reason because we had a deal. It's all there. We're not going to play along, this kind of thing. So he never contacted him back. So they uh, they assumed that I had no more representation, and the deal we made was kind of moot. That was not going to be there anymore. Right. Right. I'd have no proof of this. So that's why they contacted here, wanted me to file this fast and speedy. Now they get me down there, and uh, I get there like uh, in December of 2009. I'm there, and I go to my arraignment. Right. And I see my attorney for my very first time. And she, she's uh, from Portugal. Uh, she's a really nice lady, really nice. And she's telling me about the case. I'm like, that. so she comes to see me. And, and I said, hey, uh, I guess we're going to take care of this case right now. And she says, what do you mean take care of it? I said, I have a deal. I said, no, you don't. You don't have a deal. And I said, well, yes, I do. I said, when I was down there in Riverside, my lawyer, Phelan, sent me the deal in legal mail, and I had it in my front pocket when I went to my arraignment. Right. And so I went there, and then they said, uh, we're going to take care of this. And so I said, pull it, reach into my pocket, and get the, and she pulls this letter of intent, 
she reads it. She goes back and talks to the judge. They call over to the prosecutor's office, and they send, again, the third-string prosecutor, who is pissed off because they were hoping to take me to trial. Right. They wanted me to go to trial and get a possible death sentence down there because of Oprah. Right. That's, that's because, because of Oprah, because of all the publicity Oprah brought to the table. Now they wanted to settle this, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to take me to trial. Now, a, a trial in California is like could take nine years. Right. It's a, it's a long time. It's a long process. But anyway, the third-string prosecutor comes over. Uh, took them about an hour and a half to walk across the street. When they finally get on over there, we're standing in front of the judge. And it took maybe 20 minutes. And I pick up a 25 to life to run side-by-side side with Oregon's convictions. In other words, they didn't give me anything. Right. They put me. They put me back in a car uh, in February of 2010. And they drive me back there. Now we left at midnight out of Riverside County, California. Riverside, California. We left there at midnight, and by 3:30 that afternoon, I was back in a cell here at OSP. Wow. We drove. And that's how fast they drove up here. They were <laughs> mad. They were really. They were totally pissed off because they thought for sure. You know, now while I was there, now while we were headed uh, down to Riverside in their SUV, the Riverside County detectives threw a picture at me and said, "Tell me about her, right?" And there's a right. picture of a woman laying on a fetal position on her left side next to a tree. And uh, I, I looked at it. And I said, "I don't know who this is." And they said, "Well, that was Cynthia Lynn Rose." And I said. Well, if that's Cynthia and Rose, I said, I didn't kill her because the one I put there behind Blueberry Hill Cafe was in the middle of the parking lot, the dirt parking lot. There was no trees around, right? Right. So that's when I knew, that's when I knew I never killed Cynthia Lynn Rose. That's when I found out that here they were claiming all this time that I'd killed Cynthia and Rose. And in fact, I didn't. Right. Well, that was the whole purpose that's why Briar Mitchell went down there with the search dogs uh, yeah. in, in the hopes of trying to find either, you know... Uh, the the body, or the body also there. right, on, on, and also reaching out to see if anybody who may have been in that situation got up and walked away, like and she's checking yeah. out hospitals and shit like that. That's the whole purpose behind that. The whole purpose behind that was to find up to, to settle this. Now the only one that's pissed off about that is Merced County. Right, they're they're mad because they've been pointing at me all this time, and now they they can't point at me anymore because they know that. She was alive when I was out of the area. I wasn't even in the area when she when she passed away. Okay. So that was that was the whole thing. They didn't have now. While I was in okay, so while I was in Riverside County, uh, a woman by the name of Victoria Redstall. Do you know who she, that is? Uh-uh. That sounds super familiar. I think you and I've talked about that, but I'm not sure if you've talked yeah, about it on the show. She's a supermodel from the United Kingdom. She's a supermodel from the United Kingdom, and she actually had a movie, <coughs> uh, a movie called helicopter girl okay she, and, and, the, and the premise of the movie is this is stupid i mean it really is she's laying on a she's laying on a uh, either a blanket or, or something out on the beach and she's in her bikini and a helicopter flies over and takes pictures of her laying on the beach and that's the premise of the whole damn movie Oh, riveting. Oh, my Tell God. Got to watch that. Jesus That's something Jesus. Scott would spend that. hours watching. That's something that I would do. I'm going to lay on the beach in nothing but a Speedo and nipple tassels. Oh, please, God, no. Yeah, I know. Sexy, right? That's, All of our that's listeners, that's sexy. Okay. So that's the premise of her, her movie. But anyway, she came to see me up here 
for four days uh, prior. And, of course, she made a big, she, she's always a, a the center of tra- the center of attention, I just say, so that when when she left, they took her off my visit list because she was such a disruption to the class. The, wow. the, the guards all wanted taking pictures with her, and and other inmates were all wanted her address, and and I was like, you know, I have a guy on the yard come out there, no disrespect, but I want her address. I said, really? She's my girlfriend, and you want my her address? And she's not my girl, anyway. She came uh, in, in Riverside. She came to see me. We had a little talk, but she sends me a book, the book by Christopher Barry D. I don't know if you know who that is. Yeah, Christopher I've heard Barry it. D. is a writer. He does uh, serial killers talking, or or dead men talking, or something along those lines. Anyway, he wrote a book like that. I think it was Dead Men Talking, and in the book was a chapter on me, right? In that chapter, he wrote that I was convicted of first-degree sexual assault in the Don Slagle case. Right. Now, the Don Slagle case had been dismissed in 1992. There was no conviction. But he right, claimed right, right. he had the he had seen the document. This is what he said in the book. He said, I've seen the document. It's all there. This is what he's convicted of, blah, 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 blah. Now, now I contacted the publisher, which is John Blake Publishing of the United Kingdom, and I wrote them, and I told them there's a fraud in the book, that there was no conviction, there are no, there are no paperwork on this, and the book has to be pulled, or at least to revise the story, to change it. That there, now, I get a letter from Christopher Berry D. soon afterwards, and he's mad. He's mad because they're going to pull the book. He's mad because I, I, I tell him, I said, it's a fraud. And he basically tells me that he's a crime writer. He can write whatever he fucking feels like because I'm incarcerated in prison and I have no say in the matter. Wow. What a dick. That's, the way, that's the way he sees it, right? Yeah. So this is what I have to contend with. This is what, you know, this is, this is what I find out now. Uh, I, I, I was going to file a lawsuit against them, but I don't know if you're aware of it how hard that would be to file a lawsuit from America, from American prison, by the way. Right. To, I'd have to file it in the UK because that's where the book is from, the publisher. I'd have to get a, a, a lawyer here to get a hold of a barrister there, which is a lawyer. Right. In UK to file the case. And then I was told that from the lawyer standpoint, when I was looking into it, that I would win the case, but no one in, in the United Kingdom would would uh, award me any money because right. I'm a, a convicted murderer in prison. Now, they would get, they would pull the book, and the guy would have a blemish, and it was like that, but it came down to where the John Blake Publishing basically just apologized to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. all right. You know, they, they Probably the best outcome. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, from contacting Dr. Phil, my daughter Melissa uh, continues to do TV shows using me as a stone to step on. She, she has done Crime Watch Daily, uh, Most Wanted, Most Evil, Monster of My Family, 2020, Dateline, Netflix, Netflix, Oxygen Channel, The True Crime Network, and various other websites and podcasts, which most of which I never see. I just hear about. Right. This, well, this most evil is pretty good. Yeah. This changes when I get access to you guys. 
Right. right? <laughs> yep. I get social media. I actually get access to this. And so that's how this all kind of comes play. Now, in September, uh, moving along from 2010, in September 2011, a writer, uh, a writer named Matthew William Phelps contacts me, and he wants me to do a show called Dark Minds, in which I'm the character Raven on seasons two and three. Right. Now, this is on Investigation Discovery Channel. Basically, what the, the, the premise of the story is, he looks at old cases, and he's asking the killer my best opinion on who did it. Right, they're it's all cold cases, kind of yeah. They're all cold cases. Yeah. Nothing gets solved. I mean, right. if you're going to get down to it, nothing gets solved. Right. Uh, he does write a book called Dangerous Ground, in which he's mostly the character in Dangerous Ground. He talks about himself more than he talks about me. But... Uh, he also is, has, is, has a lot of information on the Cynthia Lynn Rose case where he says that he's the one that has looked at the logbooks to show that I wasn't even in the area when she passed on. Right. She actually had made her she actually made her methadone treatment a couple of days after I left the area. So Which is a bizarre thing, by there. the way, because Briar and I, Briar Mitchell and I were talking about that, and she's actually asked the FBI, I believe it's the FBI, Four copies of the logbooks, and where Phelps apparently got them, they won't release them to her. And then she got, she tried to get a hold of this Phelps dude, and he's like, "Nah, nah. I'm not going to give you copies." Like, negative. You know, yeah, like yep. negative non-female well, has, inmate. <laughs> well, Phelps, Phelps has a lot of information that I've given him, like photographs that I want him to return back. Right. right. That's what we, yeah, we've heard. I mean, yeah, we talked about that too. Yeah, I'll call you right back. All, All right. right. All right, boys and girls, remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Join in the chat. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about stuff. Let's see what else. Oh, this show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying. David Bastards. We will see you guys later on. Bye-bye.